powerful, powerful book, and we can allow God to speak to us. Matthew chapter 8, we'll just look at one verse for the message this morning. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 26, we'll read this verse together. Uh, In unison, pausing at the punctuation marks. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 26, the word of God says, And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. We're going to pray and then have our special, and then uh, we'll have the message. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for this uh, account in the scripture. Thank you for the power of uh, the words of the Son of God. And these words can still teach us today, and we thank you for uh, this blessed book. I pray that you'd teach us the truth you have for us, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for that. Father, thank you for the song. It goes perfectly with the message you have planned for today. I pray that you'd fill me with your spirit. You teach us, give us ears to hear, and Lord, I pray that you'd help us to learn not to fear, and the truths we'll learn today can certainly empower us to do that. Uh, Honor yourself in us, not just at this moment, but because of today, uh, throughout the course of our lives, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Great song, and goes perfectly with the message we've been preaching uh, really since the coronavirus crisis began, uh, a series of lessons on faith, series of messages on faith, and uh, I thought it was just going to be two or three or four messages, I think this is number 13, but uh, we just follow the Lord and see what happens, but I hope for you it's been helpful and instructive, I know it has been for me, and I think this might be the last one, unless it's not, Uh, okay? But I think this this might be the last in this series on living by faith. But today I want to preach a message entitled Faith Over Fear. Faith Over Fear. You don't have to live in fear. I want you to let that sink in. You don't have to live in fear. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us don't live in fear. And I submit to you this morning that whether you choose to live in fear or live in faith, it's a choice. Too often we see ourselves as victims of circumstance. Well, this is going on, so of course I have to be fearful. And maybe some good things is happening, so of course that's going to strengthen my faith. The Bible tells us something very differently. That is, you can be afraid when everything's going well. How many people do you know like that? Things are pretty much going okay, yet they still live in fear. You'll find something to be afraid of if you don't choose to live by faith. The Bible also teaches us that regardless of what's going on in our lives, we can choose to live by faith. It's a choice. Learning how to make that choice consistently, that's where the problem lies, doesn't it? Some of you would say, I believe that, but then how do we perform that which is good? I find not. Sometimes we say with the Apostle Paul. 
And so the Bible gives us three powerful weapons to defeat fear. And I believe through, through the uh, Bible truths I'm going to give you today that we can learn how to overcome fear consistently with these truths from the Word of God. Wouldn't that be good? Uh, let's dive in. Uh, so in our text, we just read one verse of this little story, but the story would be familiar to you. In verse 23, uh, and when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. So Jesus enters a ship to the Sea of Galilee. They're going to go across the sea. Uh, and as, as they get in there and the voyage gets underway, our Lord goes to sleep. Well, you'd go to sleep too if you were spending all your days and hours healing people. And then the times you weren't healing people alone with God, you were praying. He often got up early. He always got up early to pray. Often he prayed through the night. And so uh, he was in the flesh, even though his flesh was sinless. He's the sinless son of God. Amen. But he still had uh, the normal desires of of the flesh. He got hungry. He got tired. And so here he's just absolutely exhausted. I can imagine he gets in the boat and as soon as he sits, sits still, he goes to sleep. Some of you know what that's like. Some of you ladies are up with kids all night or you're 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 busy working, trying to take care of everything. And as soon as you sit down in the chairs, like you just conk out. You know, some of you guys have what I call the gift of sleep. You work all day, you come home, you sit in a lazy boy, and before you even think, you're just kind of out. And here I think the Lord Jesus was just so physically exhausted that he uh, just went to sleep. Now, after the voyage uh, began and Jesus went to sleep, a flash storm came out of nowhere. And this is not uncommon in this part of the world. Uh, and especially even in some locations, you get into some mountainous locations and, and some different places. Uh, you can just have these storms just come out of nowhere. And uh, this storm began to rock and shake the boat violently. It was tossed with the wind and the waves. The disciples were terrified. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us they were so afraid they thought they were going to die. Now, I don't know if you've ever truly been in a position where you honestly thought you were going to die. That's not a place you want to be for long. All right, you get there, it is a terrifying situation. They felt so out of control. They felt uh, like every, their world was just spinning out of control. Then they were victims of circumstance. The only thing they could do was wake up the Lord Jesus and ask Him to save them. And then we pick up our text uh, that we read together. Jesus' response in verse 26, And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful? <laughs> now, think about that. I'm sure the disciples are like, Look around, you know. Uh, there's, a, there's reasons to be afraid. And I think that the Lord here wasn't saying that you didn't have earthly reasons to be afraid. You know, there's a lot of reasons to be afraid in this world. There are real circumstances that are hurtful and they're scary. So why did Jesus say, why are you afraid? I think he said that because they were with him. Why are you afraid? You're with me. You think that this storm is going to take out the, will, the, the Son of God? You think this storm is going to keep the eternal Son of God from fulfilling his purpose for coming to earth that sounds kind of silly when you look at it like that doesn't it but see this is what fear does fear changes our thinking it it, it shakes our mind and we don't think straight we begin making things bigger than they perhaps need to be and yes it's real danger 
but you're not going to die. And then the Lord told them the problem with the rest of his statement. He answered his own question. Why are ye so fearful, O ye of little faith? See, why were they so afraid? They had a lot of fear because they only had a little faith. Such a simple truth. Fear and faith cannot occupy the same place at the same time. When you don't have faith, it creates a vacuum where fear fills that vacuum. But when you choose to exercise faith, it chases away the fear. Just like you walk into a dark room and you turn on the light, the darkness flees. It's just gone. Darkness and light cannot occupy the same space at the same time. Light wins always, every time. And faith will chase away fear every single time. Faith is stronger than fear. And when you and I choose to believe, it chases the fear away. Now, do you believe that? That's an exciting truth from God's word. Why are you so fearful? Because you've only got a little faith. Now, fear is strong. There's no doubt about that. Fear is a potent motivation. If you've ever had a, uh, a real case of fear, perhaps you've ever truly been terrified, or, or even I've known some people that have had panic attack as a physical manifestation of the fear of their heart and mind. A fear can affect your whole trinity, your body, your soul, and your spirit. It just affects everything. It's a very powerful tool. Unfortunately, tool is one of the favorite tools of Satan. And when you and I don't know how to conquer fear, we leave ourselves open to satanic attack whenever he chooses. All he needs to do is just introduce a little bit of fear in our lives, and it gives him a lever that he can pull. It gives him a steering wheel that he can begin to direct us as he just uh, grabs hold of that fear. It's a strong tool. Satan uses fear to hinder the work of God. Satan uses fear to enslave the lost. Think about these common uses of fear by the devil. How many people don't witness because they're afraid of what others will think? This is a common tool of Satan. We don't tell others about Jesus because we're afraid of what they're going to think of us. Now, wait a minute. We're not afraid of them going to hell. We're not afraid of judgment at that moment. But Satan introduces the fear of man, and all of a sudden it gives him a lever to pull on. And how many people will go to hell someday because Christians in their lives were just too afraid to say anything? How many... Christians don't tithe on their increase because they don't think they'll make it financially. They're afraid they don't have enough money. Folks, you're never going to have enough money. You will never, ever, 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 ever have enough money. You know why? Because we always think we need more. I was sitting in a businessman's office one day, and uh, he got a phone call, and he's on the phone for a minute. He put the phone down. He, he told the person, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. He put the phone down, and he just, by way of instruction, he said, that's a multimillionaire 
that's in financial trouble again. And he said, if I would just loan him a million dollars, he could really get out of trouble this time and stay out of trouble. And I was thinking, man, if you gave me 10 grand, I'd be happy. You know, I could get out of trouble with 10 grand, you know. Uh, I'll take anything. Give me a 20, you know. But the truth is, it's never enough. Rich people often just want to be richer. And the truth is, if you won't give, if you won't give a dime out of a dollar, you won't give a million dollars out of 10 million. Not in a thousand years. Because it's not about the amount, it's about faith. Tithing is an exercise of faith and submission to God. That's all it is. But how many people don't tithe because they're afraid they won't make it? How many Christians, and I don't, I don't know what anybody gives here, I don't know uh, any of that, I don't keep track of that, but how many Christians in America do you think have stopped tithing during this crisis because they're afraid they're going to need extra money? Now, they're not afraid of God being upset they don't tithe. They're not afraid of the devourer coming on them. All they can see is the money. And Satan pulls that level of fear and says, don't give that. Don't give that. Don't give that to missions. Don't give that to the church. Don't give that to God. You're going to need that. And we go, oh, man. (coughs) Fear is a powerful weapon to be used. How many people work on Sundays because they're afraid they won't make it without the extra money? How many people push others away because they're afraid of being hurt? You've seen that, haven't you? They're gruff. They're rude. They'll bite you before you bite them. They'll hurt you before you hurt them. And rather than exercising forgiveness, rather than uh, saying, I I choose not to take offense, I'm going to put that on the account of Christ, they say, I'm not going to let anybody hurt me. I'll be mean. I'll be rude. I'll be rough. And if you get a little too close, I'll push you away. Why? Because they're afraid of being hurt. That's a terrible way to live, isn't it? But that becomes a tool in the hand of Satan. How many people reject Christ because they're afraid he will cramp their lifestyle? How many Christians won't surrender to God's will because they're afraid he will ask them to do something they don't want to do? See, the list can go on and on. Fear is a tool of the devil. Fear is the currency of Satan's domain. The currency of God's kingdom is faith. Now, fear is strong, but faith is infinitely stronger. Just like light is stronger than darkness. You turn on the light, the darkness flees. You exercise faith, fear must go. Now, the Bible teaches us how to overcome fear, uh, and I, I believe if, if we pursue these Bible truths, they'll break fear's hold on our lives. I want to give you four simple Bible truths this morning uh, that can help you defeat fear in your life, uh, and you can exercise the, these anytime you want. Now, we're talking about faith over fear. Let me say number one. <clears throat> how do we overcome fear? Number one, determine the root of your fear. Determine the root of of your fear. Uh, if you want to get rid of poison ivy, you can just trim it off or you can take it out by the root. 
In our area, we have bittersweet. Man, it takes over trees. I've got some trees in my yard that I got to get in there and hack out that bitter, uh, that 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 weed because it it grows up the the trunk and then it starts poking out of the leaf canopy and it will just starve the tree. But you can trim it. You can trim at the edges all you want. It's just going to keep coming back. You have to get to the root. And if you're going to get rid of fear in your life, if you're going to learn how to consistently overcome fear, then you have to learn what the root of fear is. And I want to propose a difference between a cause or a symptom and the root. All right. Now, we talked in an earlier message about uh, causes of fear. We talked about the fear of man. People are afraid of what people think. Sometimes we're more afraid of what God uh, or what man thinks of us and what God thinks of us. But the fear of man is a symptom of fear, not a true cause, not the root. All right, we we can be afraid of the fear of tyranny. Proverbs 20, verse 2 says, The fear of a king is as the roaring of a lion, whoso provoketh him to anger, sinneth against his own soul. And we're seeing that in a lot in America today. Man, we're afraid that that, uh, our republic is being destroyed. People say, well, democracy is leaving. I'm not a fan of democracy. I want you to listen to me. I'm not a fan of democracy. We don't live in a democracy. America is a constitutional republic. There's a large difference. That's why you see a lot of even the political people talk about democracy instead of a constitutional republic. The difference is night and day. But we see government overreach. We see governors doing things they're not supposed to do. We see judges legislating from the bench. We see local officials demanding things that are unconstitutional. Uh, What do we do? There's a fear of tyranny. We just want to be left alone to serve God according to our conscience. Amen. That's what America is about. However, that fear can become a lever that the devil can use in your life. I mean, we got Christians buying guns and and prepping and all this kind of stuff, just waiting to take on. You know, they better not come to my house. I'm going to do this and this and I'm going to do this or that. How about we just trust God for a while? It's a good idea to have extra food, good idea to have extra water, good idea to have a way to protect yourself. But before we go off like Rambo, you know, the Christian Rambo, Bible verses written instead of tattoos, flag bandana with a cross right on the front. Before you, before you go off like Rambo, perhaps you just ought to trust God for a while. I've already talked about how I feel I don't believe in letting them Uh, steal our country out from under our noses. There is a time to stand. But long before you stand with any physical weapon, you need to stand in your heart. You need to stand with your words. You need to stand up for what's right and stand for God. We could just trust God for a while and do what God says. There's a fear of unknown disaster. Proverbs 3.25 says, Be not afraid of sudden fear. This is just the unknown things. Boy, and... I've dealt with people with phobias in my life, you know, germaphobes. They're just afraid there's a germ on everything. I've had people come in my office, and uh, I'll ask them, excuse me, can you shut the door? And they'll take out a little wipe, and they'll wipe the doorknob, and then they'll shut the door, and then they'll take their little wipe and wipe off the chair and the arms of the chair. And uh, then they'll sit down, and maybe I'll hand them a book or a Bible, and they'll take their wipe and wipe the Bible. And they're just so afraid that there's some germ out there that's going to get them. Folks, there are so many germs on your cell phone right now that if you knew what was on it, you'd never touch it again. There are so many germs 
on the daily surfaces that, that we don't even think about, that we don't worry about. But you know what? It doesn't bother you because you're not thinking about it. But boy, Satan can give you some fear. Right now is a fear of a virus. I hate to burst your bubble, but you're going to die when God wants you to die. There is appointed unto men once to die and after this the judgment. And it's not going to be a virus that gets you. It could as easily be a stray bullet or a tree falling off, a limb falling off the tree. You are so much more likely to die in a car accident than you are by a virus. But how many of you got in the car today and you said, oh, man, I hope we make it. Oh, man. You said I didn't drive very far. Most fatal accidents happen within two miles of your home. Now some of you are going to be like, I ain't ever leaving again. <laughs> you know. What I'm telling you is we have unrational fears of impending doom. And God says, be not afraid of sudden fear. Don't go throughout your life worrying about some thing that might happen to you. It's a lever that the devil can pull on. Some people have the fear of rejection. We talked about that. The fear of failure. Some people are afraid to try, and that way they don't fail. And yet the, the greatest successes in life are the ones that fail the most, not the ones that never fail. The fear of death affects all the lost. Hebrews 2.15, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. You know, people are afraid to die. When you really ought to be afraid to die without Christ. That's the real fear. Dying for the Christians is just a doorway to heaven. I don't want to take the next trip, but I ain't afraid to go. It's dying without Christ that you ought to be afraid of. And if you're listening this morning and you're not saved, you've never been born again, you're one heartbeat from hell. You're one breath from eternal damnation. That's what you ought to be afraid of. But Jesus Christ, the virgin-born Son of God, came to earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross to pay for your sin and mine, was buried and rose again. And now he says, Whosoever will may come, call upon the name of the Lord, and thou shalt be saved. Believe in thine heart the death, burial, and resurrection, and you can go to heaven when you die. That removes the fear of death. It removes the bondage, the slavery of being afraid to die. Now, we talk about all of these things, and, and we're discussing this idea of determining the root of your fear. Now, I propose to you that all these causes, or all of these fears are really symptoms. They're not the root. So it's easy for me to say, and I ought to say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of what people think. Acknowledge it. Determine it so you can do something about it. You know, I'm just afraid something bad's going to happen out of nowhere. I live in fear of that. I live in anxiety. I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job. I'm afraid we're not going to have enough money. I'm afraid we're not going to have enough food. I'm afraid we're going to run out of this or that. I'm scared. Acknowledge that because that's the first step of fixing it. But I'll tell you that none of that is the root cause of your fear. Consider this analogy. Lyme disease is prevalent around here. Named after Lyme, Connecticut, just about an hour away. Lyme disease is spreading all throughout the U.S. Uh, if you live around here and you go outside, you're probably going to get it. My whole family's had it at least once, some of us twice. You just pray to God that it's not going to really affect you and you're going to catch it in time and all that kind of stuff. I don't live in fear of Lyme disease, but it's there. 
and it can really hurt people. We know people that we love that their immune systems have been turned upside down. Their bodies have lasting sickness and chronic illness in part because of Lyme disease getting in there and shaking things up and confusing the immune system. Now, Lyme disease is difficult illness to diagnose because it presents differently in different people. The symptoms of Lyme can vary wildly. It might affect you totally different than it would affect the person across the room. It could affect you vastly different than it does the person who lives under your own roof. So it, it's, it's hard to identify that the problem is Lyme disease if you don't get the, the bullseye rash or find the tick on you. However, the root of all these complex symptoms are all caused by the same disease, Lyme disease. Symptoms of fear can seem so different that it's hard to determine the root, kind of like Lyme disease. The symptoms of fear present differently in different people. You might have one fear, and your wife might have another, your husband might have another, and you look at them and say, that fear is so dumb. You wouldn't say that. Honey, uh, that fear is, is unreasonable. And uh, you, you, know, you can try to talk them out of it, but they're just afraid those things. They're just afraid. The root cause is the same fear, but it presents differently. Now, what is the root cause of all fear? All fears, phobias, worries, and anxieties have the same root. And Jesus told us what it is. The root of all fear is a lack of faith in God. You might be afraid of heights. You might be afraid of spiders. Your neighbor might be afraid of needles. And somebody else might be afraid of germs. All phobias, all fears, all worries, all anxieties have the same root cause. And that is, I don't have enough faith in my life to push out the fear. Remember, uh, if you don't have faith, it's like a vacuum that sucks the fear in. If you don't believe in God, you're going to be afraid of something. But when you exercise faith, it can push that fear out. And now I have more faith than fear, and I don't live in fear. So we said, number one, determine the root of your fear. All right, so the root of my fear is what? Lack of faith in God. Let's say it together. The root of my fear is what? Lack of faith in God. All right, number two, after we determine the root of our fear, we define the source of our faith. So number two is define the source of your faith. So now I can see, man, I've, I've got this fear, and these are the symptoms, and this is the initial cause, but I've identified that ultimately this fear has a root in my life because I don't believe God in that area. And this is an important distinction. You can trust Jesus with your soul, but you don't trust him with your finances. You can trust him with your finances, but not with your health. You can trust him with your health, but not with your schedule. And see, whatever area you have fear in your life, that is an area that you're not exercising faith in God in that specific area. All right, so we define the source of our faith. Since all fear has the same root, all fear has the same solution. Faith in God. Now, I want you to look at me. God doesn't want you to live in fear. You just need to nail that down. God doesn't want you to live in fear of the things of this world. He doesn't want you to live in fear. 
it's not God's plan that you live in fear. You need to burn that into your mind, get it into your heart, and recognize that any time fears of the things of this life come into your heart, that is not from God. The King James Bible uses the phrase, be not afraid, 28 times in 26 verses. God doesn't want you to be afraid. Now look at 2 Timothy chapter 1. <clears throat> verse that all of us should memorize. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Is this helping you? Helping two of you? That's a blessing. Second Timothy chapter 1. And look at verse 7. If you're in the habit of marking in your Bible, mark this verse. And memorize it. <clears throat> Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 7. The Bible says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Unreasonable fears of people, places, and things don't come from God. God has not given you the spirit of fear. When you get afraid of things, and it's not the, what the Bible tells you to be afraid of, it's not from God. As we talked about in a previous message, not all fear is bad. You ought to be afraid of jumping off a cliff. There's just certain things that, but, but that is a, a mechanism of protection. Those things protect you. But when you're uh, afraid of unreasonable things, and unreasonable not based on what you think, but based on what, what God says and what the Bible says, that's not from God. All right? For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. I remember years ago, one of my children were having nightmares, and kids will go through this. Uh, and your kids might, perhaps you have nightmares. I know adults have nightmares and just feel like you're trapped in your dreams and you can't, can't control what's, what's going on in your heart and mind. And uh, they, they got to be afraid of going to sleep because they would have nightmares. And we used to, whenever we'd put them to bed and, and, and uh, go through their uh, bedtime ritual, you know, give them a kiss, give them a hug, pray with them, that kind of stuff. We would always quote this verse, say, Dad, I'm, I'm afraid to go to sleep. I don't want to have nightmares. And we'd quote this verse, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And a good way to memorize Bible verses is to just do something different with them, emphasize different verses. So we used to yell on that word power. So I'd be putting my kids to bed, and we'd say, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. And they would giggle and laugh. And power! God's not given us the spirit of fear. We say, uh, honey, God doesn't want you to have nightmares. That's not from God. Uh, God can protect you from that stuff. You see, this verse is, is vital, and you memorize it, and you say it to yourself, and remind yourself, hey, Satan, get away from me. I don't accept that fear. I don't choose to be afraid of that. You can, you can say all you want. You can make your case in my heart and mind, but this fear is not from God. God's not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love, and a sound mind. See, what are the main consequences of fear? We feel a loss of control. Isn't that one of the things we're really afraid of? 
loss of control. I've got a family member who's deathly afraid to go over bridges. Deathly afraid. They were visiting here one time. We were taking the Newport Bridge and uh, uh, literally got to the top of, of the, the Newport Bridge there. And it's a long ways up if you look down. And it's kind of a over two-mile-long bridge. I mean, you're on there for a while. And they got to the height of that and grabbed the dashboard and went, I mean, screaming, get me out of here, get me off of here, oh, get me out of here. And we're like, whoa. If I had a phone back then, I would have been like, cool, you know, Instagram, you know, <laughs> viral video. Now, if you, let's be honest. If you fall off the bridge, you're probably going to die, right? Some of you have visions of grandeur. Well, if your car ever goes off the bridge, you're going to open the door and do a dive down. And you're going to hit that water, and you're going to be up there. And, I mean, you're just like a superhero in your own mind. You know, you're going to maybe do a cannonball off of it and have the highest splash ever. Some people just aren't afraid of anything, and they're what we call weirdos, right? Uh, There are certain things you ought to be afraid of. So it is true that if you were to fall off the bridge, you'd probably die. But wait a minute. How many people have ever driven off of the Newport Bridge? Nobody since I've been here. I've been here 17 years. Not one person. How many cars do you think go over there in a week? See, this is where it becomes an irrational fear. Yes, it's true if X and Y and Z and A and B and C, if all that happens, if that terrible chain of event happens, then you're in trouble. But is that realistic? Of course not. But it's, it's a sense of loss of control. It's a sense of impending doom. That, that's the real consequence of fear. And so when we feel like we're losing control, when we feel like there's some impending doom, <clears throat> then we get a hatred for our situation or the people that make us afraid. And then we get confused. You get so afraid you're confused about what's right and what's wrong. But see, the Bible says God's not given us that spirit. Anytime that comes in your life, you recognize it as not from God and reject it. Just like 2 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us, you throw down that thought and bring it into subjection to Christ. The truth is God has a plan for you. And for most of you, his plan is not for you to go down in a blaze of glory driving off a bridge. Now, I'm not saying for some of you, it could be. And you're like, yeah, it's me. I know it's me. <laughs> you're the one I'm talking to this morning, right? <clears throat> but see, when you, when you choose to trust God, then the fear goes away. Can I be honest with you? I don't love heights. I don't love them. I used to do roofs. I didn't love doing roofs. But I think my roofing days are over. Happily. I've been up high places. I don't love going over high bridges. But I choose not to fear it. Make a difference? I don't love needles. I grew up, when I was a young child, I got sick. I got poked and prodded so, so many times. It took them a long time to figure out I was allergic to milk, and then it took them a long time to figure out other things. 
I, 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 for part of my life, I had a fear of needles. I didn't like being poked. But you know what? Now I, I choose not to fear it. I stick my arm out there, and they say, stick your arm out. I'm like, yeah, do it. Do it. Do it. No, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't do that. That's what I'm doing in my mind. But I, <laughs> I don't do it out there. I stick my arm out there. I'm like, yeah, let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> I just kind of look away, embrace myself, and then it's over. You know, there's a lot of things in your life that you just need to choose that's not going to have control over you. Amen? And it is your choice. You're not a victim. Now, let's look at this verse. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. So these are three things that overcome fear and, and deal with the consequences of fear. The spirit of power, this, this word speaks of the mirac- miraculous uh, power of God, the working the, the power that works miracles. It speaks of His authority. God has given us His authority to live in this life. I walk in this life. You may not see it, but I am royalty. I am a son of God. I am a chosen generation. I'm part of a royal priesthood. I have God's mark on me. I'm sealed with the Holy Spirit. I don't need to walk through this life in fear of everything around me. God has His hand on you. You have the authority of God Almighty. Why live in fear? Then he says, but of power and of love. Love is tremendously powerful against fear. It destroys fear. It removes worry and hatred. Love settles the heart and strengthens the mind. Love endures any hardship faces down any foe, and makes us fearless in danger. If you thought your spouse or one of your children was in a burning building, you would run in there without thought to go get them. Well, where'd the fear go? It's gone. And then he talks about a sound mind. I think one of the scariest things in life is to lose the faculties of your mind. And we've known many loved ones, and some now struggle uh, with dementia, Alzheimer's, and different things. And, and God bless those of you who've helped people through that and, and are helping people through that to have a loved one forget who they are and where they are at times and even forget you at times, get agitated easily and, and frustrated and, and, and fearful. And well, that's one of the scariest things in life is just lose the faculties of your own mind. You see, the Bible tells us God has given us the spirit of a sound mind. The greatest illustration of that is the maniac of Gadara. Living in a cemetery, couldn't be bound with chains, demon-possessed, but after he met Jesus, he's sitting clothed and in his right mind, isn't he? Some of you say, preacher, I'm going to lose my mind. I mean, you really feel that way. I'm under such stress. I'm I'm in such turmoil. My circumstances are so distressing. I feel like I'm going to lose my mind. No, you won't. No, you won't. Because as long as you keep running to Jesus, he'll give you the spirit of a sound mind. And see, the sound doctrine of God, that's why you ought to learn the Bible. Pray. Be surrendered to the Holy Spirit. All of those spiritual disciplines activate a part of you. And God says, I'm going to protect your mind. Remember, the Bible says he's given us the helmet of salvation. 
through salvation, we have a supernatural protection in our mind, of our mind, from the wiles of Satan if we choose to exercise it. That's a sermon for another time. So we talked about determine the root of your fear, define the source of your faith. Then here's the real point of the sermon. Number three, develop a faith over fear mentality. So we probably all here today say, preacher, I know that faith is stronger than fear. I know that I should exercise faith. I just don't know how. When I get so fearful, when I get so scared, I don't know how to do that. And that's the real challenge. Learning how to choose faith in the face of fear is an action that must be learned. Think about this. Fear comes with no effort. You don't have to try to be afraid, do you? It's just there. Faith is an action. And faith requires an exercise. It requires choice, determination, and repetition. And and here's a beautiful truth. I believe that through choice, determination, and repetition, we can create what I call a faith reflex. Now, have you ever been to the doctor and he's giving you a physical and he sticks your knee out on the table and he takes that weird-looking hammer and hits you under your kneecap and your leg goes boom, boom? Done that? That's a reflex. It's a, an involuntary response to a stimulus. And I believe that you and I can practice exercising faith so much where our, our immediate response to trouble, trial, and difficulty becomes faith instead of fear. Just like I believe you can create a prayer reflex. Something bad happens, and now the first thing you do is pray. It's just it's what you do. Now, it's not what you used to do, but it's what you do today. And I believe that it's possible for you and I to build up this faith reflex where tragedy happens, and the first thing I do is faith. Think about this. What is your current response to trouble or trials? And I really want you to think about this. I'm talking about you. What's your default? What's your reflex when bad things happen? For some, it's anger. I mean, you're just instantly angry. And that can show out in yelling. And you raise your voice. You start saying mean and hurtful things. Perhaps even, God forbid, some cussing in there. Ah, blankety, blank, blank. You say, well, you know, I, I was just mad. As if that's, oh, God's like, oh, okay, I didn't know you were mad. Proceed. Now, all of that is a bad response. It's a fear-filled response and a flesh-filled response. What about frustration? Here was my thing for years. See, we Christians, we learn different words, right? I'd say, oh, I'm not angry, I'm frustrated. Because you know what frustration is? It's a form of anger. Some people's response to trouble or trials is feeling like a victim. I want you to think about this. There may be someone in this room. Something bad happens to you. You're like, I knew it. Bad things always happen to me. This always happens. I I can't have anything nice. I can't have anything good. I always get mistreated. Something like that. We all know people like that, don't we? It starts to rain like, I knew it. God hates me. It's like it's raining on everybody. (laughs) Does God hate everybody? Yeah, he must. The stories you tell yourself go a long way to how you begin to to feel about things. You know what? If it starts raining on you, God still loves you. That hadn't changed. You still got a home reserved in heaven. That hadn't changed. 
God's got a will for you. That hasn't changed. So the story you tell yourself is very powerful. And in our culture today, we see a lot of people that feels like a victim. Well, you know, 12 generations ago, something bad happened to my family, and I'm just a con. It's like, that's 12 generations ago. Well, you know, my parents, they had a different life. This is your life. Well, you know, my boss, get another boss. Some bosses are jerks. Yeah, but what you tell yourself goes a long way to what you give yourself permission to do in response. Some people, their, their default is discouragement or depression. Something bad happens, man, it just takes all the wind out of your sails. You're done for a while. It's going to take you a few hours or a couple days to bounce back. You've got all the reasons why bad things happen. To you. I mean, it's just, it's, and I'm telling you that those are not the responses God wants you to have to negative events in your life. Look at Hebrews chapter 11. And I'm not going to be able to give you all this, uh, but I just want to give you this thought. And then one last thought and we're done. Hebrews chapter 11. This will change your life if you let it. Develop a faith over fear mentality. So let's look at the response of Noah to life-altering news. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7. By faith, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. So God comes to Noah and says, Noah, it's going to rain. What's rain, Lord? Well, water's going to fall down from heaven. Up to this point, it had never rained. There's some really interesting creation-type answers for that uh, and what we believe happened at the flood. Really fascinating stuff that, that we won't talk about today. It's going to rain. Matter of fact, it's going to rain so much it's going to flood the earth, and basically everything that's not on this boat I want you to build is going to die. Well, now that'll give you a bad day. Right? Noah said, God, why'd you do this to me? You're so mean, God. He said, I, I hate you, God. That's what some people would do. Because that's your reflex. But no, Noah said, wow, I better get working. Faith over fear. And he allowed his fear to move him to do the right thing. See, this is where we talk about fear is a strong motivator. Learn to use fear to help you do what's right instead of allowing fear to become the reason you don't do what's right. And so fear became a godly motivation <clears throat> in the life of Noah. Now, there's three basic responses to fear, flee, fight, or freeze, right? A lot of times you get scared and you just want to run, but there's some things in life you can't run from. Some of you are facing challenges right now you can't run from. And if you were to move or just change your location, that doesn't work. We've all seen that. People try to do that. Some people immediately want to fight. Man, the first thing that happens is you're just ready to throw down with somebody. Well, sometimes that's not the right response either. And then sometimes we just freeze but being paralyzed when you should act is dangerous. So I want to ask you again, what is your common response when you get afraid? Do you want to run from it, flee? Do you want to fight, or do you want to freeze? I remember my wife, when we first got married, 
uh, I tried to scare her once or twice. You know, you're hiding in a closet or something. You think, oh, this is going to be great. And, uh, you know, guys are just dumb. We do dumb stuff. And so I'm going to scare my wife. And she walks by, and I jump out of the closet. Boo! And she immediately turns around and starts swinging. Ah! I'm like, whoa, here's my sweet, precious, feminine, godly wife, and she's ready to take me out. Well, I learned that her response to fear is, I'm going to take you down. And she, that is her normal response. Some people would just go, ooh. Some people would take off running. What is your normal response? Because it's, it's important that you know that and understand it, so then you can choose to act in the, pro- in the right way. With God's help, you can determine a faith reflex to fear. Why is it that when people are running out of burning buildings, firefighters are running in? They've been trained to override their fear and run to the danger. Why is it when gunshots are being fired and people are running away, policemen are running toward the danger? They've learned to overcome their fear. Why is it that Christians can act in faith while others react in fear? Because we are acting in faith, right? So I'm going to challenge you to determine a faith reflex, and I don't have time to develop that. Let me give you this last thought, and I just need to mention it. Number four, discover the ultimate weapon against fear. So the Bible tells us three main weapons we can have against fear. I'll mention the first two and just say a word about the last. The first is the fear of the Lord. Now, some of you might remember in a previous sermon, we talked about choose the right fear. All right, you're always going to be afraid of something. The key is choose to be afraid of the right thing. I'm more afraid of people going to hell than I am what they think of me. I'm more afraid of the judgment of God than being without some money. I'm more afraid of, of God's hand of protection being off my life than I am doing whatever God asked me to do, right? So I'm choosing to be afraid of the right thing. We call that the fear of the Lord. So the fear of the Lord overcomes and trumps fear. It's still fear. I'm just choosing to be afraid of the right thing. And now that's a powerful way to overcome fear. The second thing is faith. And we talked a lot about that today. Faith conquers fear. So I won't belabor the point. But the last and the ultimate weapon against fear in your life is love. Look at the last verse, 1 John chapter 4. <clears throat> the ultimate weapon against fear in your life is love. Fear cannot coexist with love. 1 John chapter 4, look at verses 17 and 18. The Bible says, Herein is our love made perfect, Perfect there meaning mature or complete, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Verse 18, there is no fear in what? Love. But perfect love, mature love, complete love, casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect or complete in love. Now I want you to look at me. Such a simple truth. The ultimate weapon against fear in your life is love. The Bible says here, fear has torment. It will torment you. Thoughts of impending doom, fear of loss. And fear will torture you as long as you let it. 
You say, preacher, you're, you, you don't understand how strong my fears are. You don't understand how much this takes a hold of me. It's very important you understand I am not minimizing your fear. I'm just telling you maybe something you've never heard. You're not a slave to it. A psychologist, a psychiatrist will say you're a slave to this fear. You are broken. You're always going to be afraid. But God says no. The God of the resurrection can heal you and make you whole. Amen. That's an empowering thought. But it's love that really perfect love, mature love that casts out fear. Verse 17 tells us this love is so powerful that when you are convinced God loves you and you're born again, you don't even fear the the day of judgment. As a Christian, we don't fear being judged for our sins, do we? We don't have any fear of that. Why? Because we know God loves us. And that, that, that knowledge, that mature, complete love says, I don't need to be afraid. The, my wife and children could kill me in my sleep. Don't get any ideas. Now, if you come after me, I'd take you out so fast. No, I'm kidding. You could probably kill me too. But my wife and kids, I have no defense. But you know what? I never one time went to bed and said, Lord, I hope my kids don't kill me. Oh, God, help my wife not to kill me. You know why? Because I love them and they love me. It's not even a thought, is it? And see, perfect love doesn't just overcome fear. It banishes it. It's not even a thought. It's not even a thing. What if you were so convinced that God loves you? What if you truly grasp the fact that nothing comes to us that doesn't first come through him and he will allow challenges. He will allow difficulties. He will allow things that I feel like I can't make it through, but I know he loves me. I know he will always do what's best for me. And I know that when it comes my time to die, it's a good day because I'll be in his presence. Folks, if you just fall so in love with God and become so convinced of his love, fear won't have a place in your life. And that's the ultimate weapon. We're talking about faith over fear. Let's pray. Lord, help us as we look at the truth here. Help us to know what's right. Lord, we ask that you would... banish the wrong types of fear from our lives. Help us to get rid of it. Faith over fear. And yet there's a weapon that's even stronger than faith, and that is perfect love. Help us to love you. Help us to be constrained with your love, filled, consumed with your love, so that we can live in this life as you'd have us to. We pray if there's one here that's not saved, that today would be the day of their salvation. Pray you'd help all of us to step out of these doors into a life living by faith more than we ever have. Heads are about eyes are closed. We're going to take just a moment as you have.